Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? When I was a kid, a bunch of us would go into the basement with our blockbuster rentals. Nothing fancy, just enough to make us giggle or laugh, or maybe something scary if we were lucky. Reviewed my first movie in that basement. The rental was overdue and Blockbuster held the paper on our farm. And after my pa died, Blockbuster would come around and get payment for my ma any way they could. Weren't much older than Frodo when I salted that rental in the throat. Now there'd be more reviewing, so I'd run off and join the film club. War was on, they was only too happy to have me. My first podcast was like a sleepover with my friends. We just sat up in the basement and they came marching right at us. Must have been a hundred of them reviewed and judged after the smoke cleared. Went around and shopped the rest that weren't. Those of us with the knack was made into a special squad so we could travel light and on our own in enemy territory. Orders were pretty simple. Review any movie genres that came out of the grab baggins. With room like that, it wasn't long before we reviewing movies that weren't even in uniforms. Seems like that went on the rest of the war. <laughs> after I after that I came west a lot of call for a band with them skills and I put them to work for men just like Hallam every once in a while I get almost <laughs> through a day without thinking who I am or what I'd done and why Rat Race had to be reviewed at all <laughs> you candy corn free grazer <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the Real Feels podcast uh, this is host Jack where we bring you a different movie of a different genre often Fortnightly. <laughs> Fortnightly. And uh, this uh, genre tonight from the, the bowels of the old Bilbo Grabbaggins is Western. And uh, my pick is 2003's Kevin Costner directed and starred Open Range. Mm. Not Yojimbo 7? Uh, the, <laughs> the Chronicle right now. <laughs> oh, no, no. I think no. this is a good choice for Western. <laughs> you son I of a bitch. So what have, we, what have we done yeah, so far? No. We've done. Yeah, folks are like, folks are out there. They're like, but, but Jake, you've done Western. We've done Western. Right? Well, it's true. So I we've did done Spaghetti, spaghetti Western, Western. Once Upon a Time in the West. Now we have Western. And we did Epic Western with Dances with Wolves. That's true. And now okay. this is just okay. straight up Western. Western. Though we did just do Westworld. Westworld. A sci-fi. And then later on in this season, you have Meat Pie Western. There's just there's just so much Westerns going on. I think there's there's only a few there's only a few Westerns left. Like we got like Western comedy. We got revisionist Western. Well, uh, so a close second to this uh, was tombstone no no not tombstone um unforgiven unforgiven oh uh, which oh. also also has a very famous uh english actor in this case it was um uh not jared um his father richard harris mm -hmm. playing english bob uh tonight we've got robert duvall uh playing boss spearman uh we've got uh, uh charlie waits we've got a young young diego luna 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, just a baby. Just a baby. Uh, we've got the uh, in- incomparable uh, Michael Gambon oh, yeah. as uh, Baxter the Cattle Baron. Uh, and uh, a number of other people. We've got a, a real Phil's favorite, Kim Coates, who was mm-hmm. our uh, our coach from Goon. Uh, Abraham Ben Ruby, whom I think a lot of people would recognize more so from ER. Mm-hmm. Kim Coates, uh, we, when we get to him, I have a whole, I have a very <laughs> strong opinion about him. Okay, uh, and this and his character. Um, so. <laughs> Well, I don't know if we want to save it, the paper, the paper, oh, or the paper. No, you can always save it. Uh, and then uh, one of my favorites, uh, and unfortunately, Michael Jeter's last oh, film. His last right. action, action film. film. Yeah. Uh, he, th- th- actually, this movie released uh, posthumously. Five months. Yeah. Uh, Michael yeah. Jeter was, um, a, was homosexual, uh, and he had AIDS and died from complications. He had an epileptic seizure. Yes. Yeah. His uh, his husband actually found him, yeah. and man, I I love Michael Jeter as just that supporting actor, a character who, actor, just and, a he, great and he is character. also a character actor. But I mean, he took tiny little roles and he made them his own. Most people probably recognize him from tiny little things like oh, you know, playing Mister Noodle on Sesame, Sesame Street, Street. Huh? or even. I forget it. I forget his character in the Green Mile, but the he's Mouse Town. <laughs> Mouse Take him down to Mouse Town. Mouseville. Um, yeah, but Green Mile. Uh, he was in also a real feels favorite, Patch Adams. This is true. He <laughs> was in Patch Adams and Jurassic Park, two, three. Three? Yes. Was it three? Okay, sorry. And then, uh, one, oh, no, you're right. It was three. And it then he three. plays a, a bit part in one of my favorites, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. As the uh, the the one guy who's giving a seminar on the drug things uh, during, okay, the, uh, during the during uh, the like the, uh, the the law enforcement uh, seminar that uh, he shows up at uh, during the latter half of the film. But anyway, uh, if you guys had gotten Western, what would you have picked? Man, just for the broad spectrum of Western, Open Range is definitely up there. Probably, you know what? It probably would have been tied with you. Um, open range, unforgiven, and did we already do three ten to Yuma? Yes, we did. That was a pre Jack. That was that was pre Jack. That was one of our a pre ejaculation. Yeah, that was one of our movie web movie website uh, suggestion uh, back back in season one. And you know what? For a third one, since it's still such the broad spectrum of Western, uh, Silverado. Is- I thought you were going to say Tremors and I was going to punch you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Silverado. Silverado would have been my choice just because of the feels with it. Um, you know, and, your, and it's your mom's favorite. It's and it's I mean, dude, that's, that's a, a young that's a young Kevin Costner that it young, younger Scott Glenn. Uh, Danny Glover when he still actually was making okay films like Angels in the Outfield. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was a horrible movie. That's not that bad. It's um, God's thumbnail. Da, da, <laughs> Jason Gordon-Levitt just <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt just <laughs> flapping his arms. No, but well, I, it, open range, dude. This is a great pick. Well, I, I believe we're overstepping mm. ourselves for a moment. Should we get into some uh, makeup, a uh, ration of beans for uh, 
Got some, for this. Got some sugar in the, some camp, in the wagon. Got some, got some sugar. I got, the, I got some sugar back in that. Set time. up camp. Beautiful country. Man can get lost out here. Forget there's people and things that ain't so simple as this. How long have we been riding together, Charlie? Nigh on ten years. Mm-hmm. You know what they call that? Call it a decade. I always hoped somebody gentle and caring might come along. I'm not who you think I am, Sue. My name's Denton Baxter. You know, folks around these parts don't take the free grazers. Always been country plenty for man and beast. Times change, Mr. Spearman. Most time a man will tell you his bad intentions if you listen. Let yourself hear. You reckon them cows worth getting killed over? Cows is one thing. But one man telling another man where he can go in this country is something else. The law, man, she sat in that jailhouse sort of sneering, sticks in my craw. Old town knows there's a fight coming. They just hope it don't spill over to them. Max's men bushwhacked our friend, shot him dead, shot a 16-year-old boy, too, and clubbed him so hard, he might not live. I got no problem with killing boss. Never have. Men are going to get killed here today, Sue. And I'm going to kill them. He's got a right to protect his property and his life. And we ain't letting no rancher or his lawman take either. I want you to know that if I don't ever see you again, that I meant everything I said to you. And I appreciate everything you said to me. You should have run when you had the chance, Spearman. You're the one killed our friend. That's right. But there's uh, things that gnaw on a man worse than dying. Mm-mm-mm. Where do we start? Where where do we dig in? Because this is a juicy film. Um, kicking it off, what? Th- I, I Thirty had, minutes speaking in. Speaking of juicy, speaking of juicy, we skipped Annette Benning as part of the cast. Oh, yeah. Wow. Ooh, Why do we do that? Oh. And you know what? Such a lovely lovely woman where when you look at her in this film it it doesn't even look like and she obviously i i would say would but it looks like not a touch of makeup not that she would in you know she didn't have victorian old west for the entire time she was oh my god so she made a comment she said like they are not comfortable (laughs) they are they are awful. I could not wait to get out of them at the end of the day. She's like, I do not envy these women. <laughs> but she also has one of the one of the best lines in the movie, which she gets up and smacks the chef. Oh, and she's yeah. like, you've you've uh, you've been a uh, oh god, what's you're a disgrace. You're a disgrace. You always have been, my sheriff. I know, but it's just the way it is. <laughs> she um, looks. Yeah, Doesn't so, she look like she just was from that time a, period? It's oh, a handsome yeah. woman right there. She, she, yeah, she's good looking. But I love her little, I mean, you have this town, okay? And it is, it has its own little corruptions and everyone kind of knows it. And for her, it's nice and symbolic where her house is just adjacent behind the church. It is a realm of sanctuary. It is its own little plot of land. And even for her to kind of be going around and it is the doc's place, but she's got that little white picket fence and it separates 
her place from all the rough and tumble that is the Wild She's West got a world. Little garden the she Vito does have a little garden. Oh, that's my brother. Oh, what? That's where she <laughs> she goes to pick her king's foil. <laughs> it's, it's a weed. weed. <laughs> it's a weed. <laughs> a ranger. I, I like her. I like her line uh, to him towards uh, towards the end of the film, saying, "You know, you're you're a good man, Charlie, and maybe." A lot of people don't see I've seen the things that you do, and it may not be enough for most folks, but it is for women who will look or who will take notice or something like that. I'm not a girl anymore, Charlie. Ooh, <laughs> Miss Benny. And I, oh, I know. I, when she, <laughs> I when know. she kind of like breaks down and explains, like, I've been waiting for, you know, this kind of like white knight to like come in and sweep me up my feet. And he never came. Like, not that like they're both kind of at the end of their, you know hunting days but they kind of are like they both kind of realize that like we our past don't cross very often with people like this of similar parts in life uh maybe similar age and you know charlie's probably like man i am kind of done with this life well yeah and i and i think that's one of the one of the concerns where a lot of people who you know 20 years ago, uh, saw this film. And that was, I know, also a critique with uh, Siskel and not... Uh, not Ebert. Sorry, not uh, Siskel. It was Ebert, Ebert and Roper. They had said that the love connection in the film seems a bit uh, brisk, right? It, it's like a quick love. But also, I, I think you got to kind of look at it at the fact of, like, she's looking at everybody in the town. She's seeing everybody in the town. And she's also noticing something new and she's noticing him. And I think that's really important because the tiny little things that go through her characterization in the film, like noticing that he is one taking a peek at her while she's changing. OK, all right. Let's let's get into Ooh. that for a second. Now, if if you are hosting <laughs> men that you barely know, something tells me you'd close your door all the way unless. Unless you want him, you want him to have a, a little gander, a not gander. much, <laughs> just a little, a little nude you shoulder. But I mean, she she notices him looking. She watches him pick up the dirt. Okay, and and I also love the fact that like when he's kind of finishing up his own pickup of, of all the dirt, little dirt clumps, he just kind of picks up the rug and <laughs> sweeps it under and then, you know, sets it back down. But it's it's the delicate nature of the intimacy for the scenes itself in like Victorian era. Like no one's no one's doing like grand, you know, huge gestures of like, I like you or, you know, today it, the the uh the unsolicited dick pic where i do enjoy fountainous <laughs> lady <laughs> lady but it's the it's the intimacy of them where he even says like no 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 you sit down like let an old cow poke fix you breakfast and then just like that gentle touch of like taking the spatula from her and wanting her to just sit back like let me do this for you like that is a that's a realm of intimacy the conversation in there and, you know, kind of like that awkwardness also, but bringing it back going like, I, I'm glad Button's uh, doing better. Yeah, yeah, Button. Yeah, he's 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 getting better. But it's I think it's very genuine. I think I agree to the point that it seems it happened a bit fast, but 
I think it's and also when you're from a small town, like you you take a liking to people that if you like them, no, it's like it's like me rolling into Bakersfield. All the all the women were like, oh, my. Oh, <laughs> he's so tall. <laughs> he's so tall. <laughs> they see Jack open up like a pickle jar. <laughs> He's so strong. I, does he fight crime? <laughs> do, do you see all the sausages he bought? Oh, he likes to grill a man. Oh, he's going to attend the uh, the bellows with us? Oh, ladies. <laughs> so, uh, 2003. Uh, this was based on a book. Uh, I know the first name is Lauren. My people ask yeah, I forget. Actually, no, uh, I will tell you in a second. Because well, I, I bought the book. So... It was uh, about uh, 20, $23 billion, I think, was the budget. It made two-thirds of it back. About $63 million was its its final final American box oh, okay. office total. Uh, or you can, you can, I guess you can look it up, Drew. Why don't you just look it up? Worldwide was 68. Oh! Yeah. Well, your mom's 68. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda Hallam is a saint! <laughs> Uh, and uh, the screenplay was written with Robert Duvall uh, in mind for that character. And, and uh, Kevin Costner said that if uh, Howard or Howard, uh, if uh, Robert Duvall had turned it down, probably movie would not have gotten made. He accepted it 24 hours after reading the script. Yeah, and and Costner, uh, he, he demanded that he get second billing uh, over Robert Duvall getting getting first. Uh, so, you know, you've got your, your, your usual, your pastoral intro of, of, you know, uh, there should be some, um, you know, uh, concerning hobbits in the background they're grazing and there comes boss with all the, with all the Mustangs and oh, he really can't cowboy. I like that shot. That's, That's fine. Whoa. It gets into it. Spicy Jack is coming out tonight. <laughs> Shit. You've spoken for like five minutes. Straight. You need to catch your breath. <laughs> so, but the the movie really doesn't get started until they send uh, sort of the the third in command, uh, which uh, I never really thought much of a dramatic actor, Abraham Ben Ruby, Moe's, uh, who is somebody I remember seeing in Mallrats and some of the uh, other. Um, oh, he is in Mallrats. He is in Mallrats. Yes, he is. Uh, so he gets sent back to town uh, and just never returns. So they leave Diego Luna with the herd and they go after him, uh, Kevin Costner, and they find him in town. He's been waylaid and beaten up and he's now in jail under charges, uh, which is really just a corrupt uh, cattleman who has bought the, the law, the sheriff in that town. And uh, this particular cattleman, Mr. Baxter, played by... Uh, Michael Gambon has a uh, has a little bit of a taste for free grazers, and we're Irish, and we don't like you. So get the fuck out of town. Yeah, they. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I I feel the movie really starts to get its momentum going during the fire scene when they go out to stop. Uh, the the four riders that had been scoping out the cattle when they but get it's back, weird they it's le- like thirty minutes in yeah well the movie is over two hours no long. that's what I mean 
it like kicks off at like 30 minutes in and then eh, there was a little there's a little bit of there's a little bit exposition first and you like Kevin Costner loves his masturbatory wide Jesus, shots of the he? wild Americas even though this was shot in Canada uh, Drew you can go ahead I know you've been waiting patiently <laughs> <laughs> damn <laughs> um yeah shot in Canada <laughs> One of three separate locations that they did go looking for. And every time that they actually did go to look at a different location, it was covered in snow. So they couldn't really find exactly what they were looking for. When they finally did find the location that they were uh, wanting to shoot at. So the entire town was built for the. Much uh, like Once Upon a Time in the West. So the entire town was Hmm. built for the movie itself. Now, the town or the area where they were filming and they built the town, it was an hour and a half drive. So they spent $40,000 to build a road, just a road. And half of the movie's budget was actually put up by Costner, uh, one of his partners and a producer. They had like foreign investors, but they were being real shady about whether or not like they were going to give up the money and stuff. Mm. But uh, we must meet with Annette Benning first <laughs> before we give you this money. You Mr. promised Costner. Annette Benning would be here. Where is she? <laughs> yeah. Is she? I'd like to take her for a bit of a free graze, if you know what I mean, Mr. Costner. <laughs> I mean, to, to say that, like, you know, the movie, it does start to get a little bit more serious. You're right, door, uh, to the, uh, the nighttime kind of, like, stick up. But we do establish already... When they are in town, we meet a new friend, Michael Jeter's character. We do also have them going into the sheriff's office. And right there, there's not necessarily an issue offhand with Michael Gambon, but rather the but sheriff. No, 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 no. And that's why he's Michael watching. Michael Gambon is sitting yes, in the sheriff's. He's sitting there behind quiet. the desk. Uh, right. Very much true. In, in the sheriff's seat. In the sheriff's seat. Very much true. And even the sheriff, he's, he's trying to like extort them. He's all like, be 50 uh, bucks. let's have. Let's have $50 a charge. He wanted $150 just to get him out of jail. And then. Sounds like robbery to me. It was, And as uh, as Michael Gammon does, he tells this little nonchalant story about free grazers. And, you know, despite being told, like, uh, free grazing is legal. He's all like, well, times change. People are <laughs> Shot in the back, was he? Oh, <laughs> I loved that. I love that. Shot in the back, was he? And as he as he kind of like. You know, they each like threaten each other very like obscurely at that point. He's like, you know, just get your man and go. And we don't want you coming back. And it's like, go okay, on, get something. <laughs> something's up. Something's and, wrong. And that could have been the movie. The The credits couldn't roll. But Baxter is a bastard. Yeah. He had no plan on uh, just letting them go about their way, which we see in the uh, these the herd getting scoped out. Uh, I but I do. I. I feel like that's a little bit different than a lot of Westerns do when they do sort of come upon people where you've got Robert Duvall sort of holding the gun on everyone while Coster is just unsaddling the horses, breaking all of their rifles. Uh, and I love how that like that's the first time you see a, a little bit of steel out of Robert Duvall when he's just like butt stroking them. Oh, <laughs> just cracks him in the rib. He's like, yeah, you can smile now. No. <laughs> Uh, what about your spook masks? Oh, go put on your spook masks. Take off your britches. I ain't taking off for this no is, one. This Boom. is where I think Baxter does not get enough credit. So not only did he have the like 
obvious scout party, which I firmly believe that he knew he knew that they were going to separate and that part of them was we're going to go and like try and deal with the four that they saw at the campfire. And then what does he do? Back door pop pop. That's in my opinion, that was fucking brilliant. A Baxter to like divide and conquer. They, yeah, they probably and a chilling line from one of the cowboys where it's like, "How many riders do you have? How many rest are on your way to your wagon?" Right, and I mean, it could have been like, you know, they they went back to their little campsite and maybe relieved uh, the rest of them because if they if they did like the scouting mission and they can come back and say, "All right, there's three of them, right, or four of them right now." And if they go back and they tell the rest of them, they're like, okay, we've already done our writing. You guys go do yours. Because it doesn't seem like they'd be the people to, like, evenly disperse the the job itself. They're like, we've done our time. Well, well, plus, and my back the, hurts from hitting that even stove. Even the campfire scene, there's, they're betraying each other left and right. Like, oh, who's got the sore back? back that, that guy. And that's the thing. The like kind of jumping ahead where Costner at the very end of the fight, he's going down the line and he's laying it out logistically. He's all like, this guy's going to do this. He's going to move fast. Some of them may freeze. You're probably going to have ex-military. The rest of them hired cow poke. Cow puncher. And, and that's where we that's see the, the first cow puncher. Yeah. It's like that, and that's just what it was. Kevin Costner's sorted past is mm. when uh, he has to be stopped by Robert Duvall from just executing one of the guys there. By the fire. Well, he already. Oh, yeah. There. Yeah, exactly. And then later on, he has to stop him again because he already saw, he well, sees him. That's a pivotal scene, Drew. Oh, no, no, oh, it is. Just glossing over that. I'm not trying to well, gloss I think over. You're I'm jumping, connected. I think you're leapfrogging. <laughs> I'm connected. I think you're leapfrogging. But had he, had he executed the, the kid, I think that the townsfolk would have been like, no, fuck you guys. Yeah, but at the same time, the townsfolk are chasing down the one junkie at the end and like shooting him in the you, back of the field. You so, see, so it's vigilante justice. So there's a little justice. bit of ambiguity there. But I think the best performance of that scene goes to uh, Michael Jeter when he's like, now you've done what you need to do here. Go, Don't go <laughs> into making this something bad. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a great scene. No, it, it is a great scene. <laughs> uh, but I mean, the... From then on, I think the movie gets going pretty well. It keeps us some momentum. It kind of slows down a little bit with the introduction the doctor, of yeah. the the love interests mm. and the love, and, and they have to do like the old Victorian tiptoe around. Uh, oh, Doc Barlow's wife. Oh, that's sick. you didn't know that. Oh, oh I love her. She was papers. my wife. Like, yeah, no, oh. Like, and they, they should have added a little bit more flavor, maybe. Like, there's, like, a, a chalkboard behind the bar with, like, a running bed of <laughs> who's going to fuck Mrs. Barlow. <laughs> <laughs> I I do agree that I think it kind of slows down with the romantic issues. I like the interaction with Boss and, uh, and Costner and her. And, you know, the whole, let me pour you some tea. I can't get my fingers through it. Too many broken knuckles. And she's even like, I don't know why I bring him out. I can't even hold him. <laughs> but but it's like they're traveling around the camp like it's a video game. And they're like gartering support like from, you know, rest, press, press A to rescue the dog and the flog. Congratulations. You now have earned towns, folks. Respect. The, the good, 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 good graces of the general store owner. I, I mean, 
So speaking of the dog, which was mm. named Tig. After the production company. After the production company. Now, Costner had said that a lot of folks, I mean, obviously, I mean, we we actually have a, a real website called Does the Dog Die? Yeah. And you can look it up and see if any animals die in a particular film. It's something that people don't want to see. But I think that one of the things that this movie brings is an authenticity and quality towards seeing is the dog how, is killed off camera like how i mean it is but how, like the the realness and yeah it's going to get in your face yeah it's going to make you angry the fact that you know mose was shot in the head you have buttons clubbed so hard that he may die the dog does die and also with the element of sound in the film not only with how the music can rise and fall with certain scenes, but the gunshots so blaringly loud. And that that's just that's just it. Also, even the gunfight, the gunfights itself, nothing's like spot on and accurate. It's messy. People stumble, fall. They're missing their shots like they're firing. One guy said in one day of filming, they fired a thousand rounds just through practicing and, and shooting different scenes. But that that gunfight scene at the end, which really that's. That's one of the main reasons why yeah. this film gets picked, because it's probably one of the finest Western gunfights that's been done in a long, long time. I, think I like it more than I'd be, I'd be behind uh, that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm apt to agree with you, or else I would have, I would, I would have picked Tombstone. But the, the sound editing of the shots, especially after the initial shootout, uh, when Kevin Costner's got the, the carbine, and not only the sound editing. But the the bullet hits and the glass and then they even it's like it's like old fucking pioneer village where where they they even have the bullets going in hitting the water yep. and the horse troughs and you're getting that classic like splash yep. poop poop well, I'm coming for you you son of a bitch <laughs> tries but, to get in the tries to get in the door it's locked but, but <laughs> just the, the sound that it makes it a more i can't imagine what they spent on the 100%. shot of like the shotgun uh, like probably not a crazy amount but when we, no when uh when he shoots oh, him in the kind bar? of through the wood it is so like Ooh, to me okay. that may be the pinnacle of the fight like that scene right there where it's just it's quiet boom and he just flies love it it is one of it is one of the best kills in any Western, hands down. Well, I, I, I've got to say, Charlie going around and flanking when they got Sue, that is my favorite That's kill. That's the most violent of the, kill. Of the movie. Baba That's Yaga. the most violent kill. God. He's the man you sent to Just, kill the boogeyman. And it's like, it, <laughs> What have you done? Oh my god, that's it. that's just it. Char Charlie is Baba Yaga. He is John Wick of the Western world. What did you do? Well, nothing. I just we, we wrecked his wagon. Sue's did you kill his dog? Dude's blood yeah, we killed and just his dog. Like, like uh and then the one scene where Kevin Coster like like busts his way through the wooden slats out of the building and is just like like fuck you wood I might get my dick one after this Kim Coates though can we can we jump oh, on jeez okay. yeah the guy one Kim Coates movie I would almost say it, it, they do it right they do it right however I feel like very underutilized he is so fucking perfect and just even the little bits that he's in where he's like uh they ain't worth a damn and he's just like <laughs> like just his laugh his attitude 
It's Looks so like there's fucking gonna be good, a new Marshall here in get town. To okay, he's in for like this much, this much. Agree. Yeah, I killed him. I killed him. I enjoyed it too. Oh, see, okay. And Costner had said, as such a cliche line, like, there looks like there's going to be a new sheriff in town. Okay. He does it with his own style. He gives that menacing, like, asshole-ish cackle. And he is so good. And Costner made the point. He's like, it's a small role. But he made it his own. And it's great. And you want to know this character more. I mean, before he obviously takes a bullet to the head. How long is he in this even in movie? Like six, seven minutes? He's, he's mentioned longer than he actually right. is That's in right. the movie. He's the dude with the broken arm. <laughs> I love that around the campfire. The head, but Did you hear it snap? I heard it snap. But, and a lot of people are like, oh, like, you know, that, like that, that really like hamstrung the gunfight scene. No, like that's something that I could see. A seasoned, you know, former soldier and gunfighter just doing is taking out the strongest man first while he's still, you know, surrounded by his buddies. Even Lane thinks that he's. There is uh, nothing better than when the. What the fuck are they going to do? Kind of veteran uh, analyzes the situation. Patriot kind of does this too, where he's like, listen, like, um, we're going to use his pride. Against him because he's going to try and crush us. He's going to come up over the ridge. That's when we're going to blast him. Like, I love that. I love when they utilize the the well, what's going on and go. Okay, listen, we can knock out this, this, and this. We can target this, and then we got. Well, yeah, no, no just no, it's fine. I like fine, it when yeah, they they kind of bring that all together and it's not You're just, uh, you know, all right. Like, I don't know. It it starts off so fast because that's probably what you should do if you're outgunned, you know, 15 to two. Right. Like, all right, um, we're just going to be all cool, all cool. And then take out their best and go go from there. Well, and, and it is something that you do learn. I mean, obviously, so Charlie gives up his history as, you know, a, almost like a special team. He eventually gets on in the Civil War and they get let off on their own. You don't you don't necessarily see this in a lot of Westerns when he starts again, laying it out logistically. It's something special and it's something so unique to a fight. And they know they're outnumbered, but he Charlie also knows that he has the advantage there. Much like you mentioned in The Patriot, when Gibson is off with his two boys and he tells him, I'm going to go down here. I'm going to do this. You are going to stay here and you're going to shoot him off from here. It introduces a completely different him. side to the character. That he tells we haven't him, seen start yet. with the officers and, it, and work your way down. You're like, holy everything. shit. Like, you are brutal. Right. Fl- right. Flank him. He knows, he the knows how to fight. It, do it. He knows what to do. Now, this is this is also <laughs> this is the uh, this is the second time that uh, Kevin Costner and Baxter are on screen together. It is also the second time that Costner and ba- Costner oh, has killed paper. Baxter on screen <laughs> because the Kim paper. Coates. Oh, the paper. <laughs> oh, no, that's uh, Kim Coates. Baxter is the. Uh, I mean, Kim Coates. Sorry. Yeah. Well, and Kim Coates is the actor's name. I forget what his name is. I meant to say Kim Coates. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, it's, it's the second time he's on screen with Kim Coates and, and he kills and, him. Uh, Michael Jeter is also in uh, in Waterworld as well. Yeah, um, this so, is true. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, aside from that, 
I think they probably could have done the ending just as it was after Boss Spearman rushes the uh, sheriff's office, blows open the door, kills him. And that's such a great death scene. Like Michael Gambon looks fucking ridiculous. Like he, cause he has his, like his, his <laughs> tongue out. And he's like, you're nothing. You're nothing. Can't, can't kill me. Uh, I'm going to waste I'll still a good be breathing bullet. in a few more minutes. Uh, so, oh, over what? A bunch of cows? <laughs> Killing me won't bring back your honey, oh, you bitches. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we got your boy spearman <laughs> but but the added uh 15 20 minutes after that fact it, that probably could have been wrapped up a little bit easier but i guess they really wanted that um that that romantic bow so it was it. it was debated in po- in uh post-production to actually keep the scene when you know the store owner comes up and says ma'am he'd like to speak to you if you ain't offended in entering a, a, a bar or saloon. And I mean, when she walks in and he kind of like leans up, you know, from the fight, she's like, Charlie, you don't have to get up. I didn't want you to have to come in here in front of all these. I'm a dirty bitch. Folks. <laughs> and I think that's so important. I think that's so important for her. See this, Charlie? <laughs> no, shut up. This is your but, personnel. <laughs> <laughs> but... But for her, I learned this at the Moulin Rouge in Paris, France. But I think that's important for her characterization. And he's he's trying to think of her honor and her sensibility, because right now she just wants to honor his sensibility sensibility. over and And over over again and over again. But here's the thing. He's so distraught over the fact that. You know, he's broken her China. He never he thinks he already has something lost with her. He doesn't want to, like, lose her respect. He almost shot her in the face. He all, And then he <laughs> right. He had to kill a man. Like, I mean, he saved her life, but he had to kill a man. Well, no, that was holding he, her he hostage. had his like PTSD flashback exactly. and almost shot her in the face. For, he shot a gun. He's pointed a gun at her twice now. And, right. And the very, very few times they've known each other. I mean, so for him. Probably in through through his mind, he's thinking like, I have fucked up every single chance to try and get this lady. And she's all like, Charlie, I'm here, aren't I? Like, I, I'm here. I don't care what those people think of me. But then again, th- at this point, probably everybody in the town is all like, yeah, we, we've had some bloodshed. Is everyone OK? Yeah, we're fine. It, we're, we're all in this together. It's, it's good that they have their moment. But I agree. It could have been wrapped up a little bit like a little bit quicker. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, little neater, little neater. It's still nice, yeah. It gives you some feel good stuff, but it does add to the movie's length. And the movie does already is kind of long at that point. Um, but you know that's 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 the price you pay for for good cinema sometimes. I I do like the ending where he's like, oh, I guess the saloon owner suddenly uh, lost its owner. How about you like going business with me? Oh, I couldn't afford that. Well, we'll leave it up to the brains of the operation. <laughs> they should have done a sequel with, with fucking uh, them own the saloon with fucking Button and shit. But I'm glad they didn't because I'm the first one to hate sequels. Uh, but th- that is something nice about the end is like, again, not everybody dies. Uh, the main character doesn't die, uh, unlike what, which often happens. You almost think Robert Duvall's going to die. And thankfully- uh, yeah, or I thought that I thought first time I saw Kevin Costner was going to like bleed out there behind the, the water mm. trough. Uh, but luckily not. Uh, I do enjoy the humor of Boss Spearman. 
with uh, playing the playing the band or playing the fiddle <laughs> to wake him up. He's like, "Who wants breakfast?" Yeah, I got, and I he's got, got the fucking bottle of chloroform. And, and Kevin Costner's character <laughs> says can... to him after, "I think you're getting to like that part too much. That's, <laughs> that's your favorite part." So Kevin Costner takes a, uh, a a piece of a memento from every film, and so he took not only his guns from the movie. <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> the bottle of chloroform, chloroform is, is his own little uh, memento from the film. The uh, the horse that he's riding is actually the same horse from Dances with Wolves. Really? Yeah. Well, it wasn't that. It seems a long time ago. And that's the weird thing about Open Rage. It's like, you know, Dances with Wolves seems like it took place there. Yeah. Ago. Right. Open Range still feels like to me but, like it came out. I mean, even I mean, maybe really it's the film years. quality that's crazy of Dances with that Wolves yeah. versus, so. uh, I mean, like just the like general technology, uh, the stunts. I mean, everything feels older. But but that like the stunt with like the shotgun, you know, and the guy flying mm, back and hitting the maybe you, you didn't see that shit. And, you know. No. Twitch. And I, I do love Costner. He told the, oh, he told the stuntman, God. he said, when you hit the ground, I want you to twitch. <laughs> well, and it is it is significantly a different movie from Dances with Wolves. Right. Um, you know, different character, different different motivations. Um, you know, and that was Ooh. something that I worried about when I saw that the movie came out. Now, Nathan, I've got a little trivia for you, sir. Did the soundtrack did the soundtrack seem at all familiar to you? Did it seem Waterworld like something you had heard before no, just in a similar? I'm just fashion? kidding. I, I just said it just because uh, I feel like that anything yeah. they could use reuse from Waterworld, <laughs> they would be like, "Listen, we gotta make our money back somehow. Like we will pimp and whore ourselves out." <laughs> <laughs> They they look over the range. They're like, "What's that? Smokers? (laughs) (laughs) What what are they here for? Money? Go juice." (laughs) So, uh, so the uh, uh, the the composer was uh, Michael Kamen, who who unfortunately he he died same year two thousand three, Princess November of two thousand three. You had heard him before in such things like. Well, Highlander, uh, Lethal Weapon, but the series that he did right before, uh, he also did uh, Robin Hood. The the series he did right before this film, the entire score for Band of Brothers. Mm -hmm. So, and you you don't hear it so much at the beginning, you hear it more towards the end uh, with the the, the finale and it, like, I'll... Especially when Band of Brothers, when they get to uh, Austria, and it's a little bit more sorrowful, like that's, I, I was like, it's, I, it can't be the same guy as Band of Brothers. Well, according to Wikipedia and IMDb, it is. So Costner had said that the music itself was one of his favorite aspects of the film because for during the production, he had to go to Prague where they were making the music and he was trying to relay through the composer and uh in the conductor where everything he had to try and relate to a story and to get the emotion and the connections was with an entire orchestra who spoke no english but through the strings and through the notes and the brass like everything he was just like it, it was perfect 
So I'm not saying that that uh, this soundtrack is a ripoff of Band of Brothers, but it's sort of like if you hear Mozart, yeah, you can kind of differentiate. Like, oh, well, that's that's Mozart. Oh, that's that's Beethoven. Uh, so it, I, I thought that and was I think a that nice Mike, little little. I think that Michael Kamen does a fantastic job with Prince of Thieves. <laughs> I think that like that may be one of my high points with him. You know it's true. Everything I do. If you like that, you should watch Disney's Three Musketeers with Peter Sutherland, Chris O'Donnell. Cause it's all for one and all for love. Yeah. <laughs> oh. With a flick of my wrist, I could change your religion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, oh, you're gonna need plenty you of silver. Oh, you'll hear some gold. Oh, and here's thirty pieces more silver to pay the devil on your way to hell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's uh, the optimum time for uh, segments. <laughs> for segments. <laughs> so, uh, segment uh, number one. Uh, let me open it up. We got. Uh, uh, Princess Pattern tea set, uh, cigars from Havana, Cuba, and chocolate from Switzerland, Europe. Uh, so give me one of each. Something you broke that was irreplaceable. Uh, a vice you would indulge before the battle. And if money was no object, the culinary treat that could possibly be your last meal or snack prior to the battle. So I, I had... Uh, one of my grandfather's pocket watches, and uh, I was kind of a <laughs> an antsy, slightly. Angry, you were a fiddler, weren't you? An, uh, ang- Just anger- sitting there fiddling, <laughs> anger-filled uh, teenager. And so I think, like one night, uh, when I just I don't know, I don't even know what I was mad about, but I I I tended to in my teens, if I got mad or angry, um, I God, I just I just felt like I, I wanted to break something. I really did. And thankfully, that's not the case anymore. Um, but I remember I I had the pocket oh, watch and I got mad at something. I remember I just like I I slammed it on my desk and I I realized like, oh, my God, I broke I broke the pocket watch <laughs> and um, I was able to get it able to be uh, twist and wound up. But the glass was all broken. It was bent on the inside. And so, Yikes. yeah, I, I broke my grandpa's pocket watch. Um, completely irreplaceable. I, I still have it. And if I still wind it, like I can still hear it tick sometimes. So that's really, I mean, it's still nice, but it's not, it's not what it was. It definitely is broken. Um, as for something that I would down, I would probably down an energy drink oh, before, before I, uh, uh, would, uh, you know, go into battle that or, uh, you know, one of our, uh, one of our favorites or one of my favorites, mm-hmm. I would probably, a, a, a nice, quick Kentucky mule. There I go. Yeah. There I go. Yeah. Now, as for kind of a tasty treat beforehand, my mind immediately went to like my go to is like, yeah, I'll have some sushi. But I was like, you know what? No, I would mm-hmm. love some really good uh, deep fried catfish. OK. Doesn't have to be period. Um, no. My, no, um, some deep fried the thing catfish. that I broke, I actually, I, didn't, I couldn't think of anything that I broke that was irreplaceable. Um, I'm not a breaker by many means, but I, <clears throat> well, 
Well, so I Except went to heartbreaker. Yeah. I burned something. <laughs> that was irreplaceable. <laughs> I was just kind of like, sorry. <laughs> um, I burned. So there was a hat that uh, was caught at a concert uh, by a, a band that I love, Bayside. And this girl uh, gave it to me. And when our relationship ended, uh, I was standing by a fireplace um, at a party. And I tossed that hat that was irreplaceable there, you know, it, we're not going to catch another hat from a musician like at live during a show. Uh, and I said, no, I'm done. And I threw that into the fireplace. So or into the, the fire pit. So, smoke hmm. you later. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my indulgence um, <laughs> would either be a very, very ice cold pep pep. Cause I do, I do love me some pep pep. <laughs> Everybody out there who may not well, be familiar, Pep suck them down like sardines. Um, I love them. Love Pepsi. Or an In and Out four by four. <laughs> Both types of onions. No, no tomato. And boy, howdy, loving it. I just got cheese paper. Charlie got chocolate just, all over oh, his fingers. With. Nathan just has special sauce <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Stillwater, baby. Come to mama. Stillwater, win. baby. Oh, yeah. Come okay. to mama. <laughs> um, and then the last thing, uh, my if money was no object, the culinary treat. Um, there is a place in Boston uh, called Mike's Pastries, and they make – I had a cannoli there, which I'm pretty sure they're like – that's what – they're known Ooh. for, but it, it may have been the day. It may have been the moment. I don't know, but it was, it was breathtaking it, as a perfect. <laughs> they were all uh, perfect. <laughs> Every Your bitch has its price. From Not Boston. <laughs> Go ahead. Jack. <laughs> Oh, God. oh, all right. So, um, my grandparents had gone the turtles. on my mom's side, had gone to gone back home to Ireland. Oh, to see the turtles, uh, the turtles sometime in the 80s. And they brought back this, um, this ceramic, like basically a ceramic whiskey bottle that had the Costello coat of arms and oh. like all that stuff on it. Um, and my mom, she, she, she treasured it, even though she doesn't drink whiskey. It was, you know, something, it was the only thing they brought her back. Well, when we were fucking around in high school, Oh no, I think we were throwing pillows or shit around and, uh, it knocked this bottle of whiskey, uh, off of the, the bookcase oh. it was in and it cracked. Oh, no. uh, and it started to weep oh, no. its contents. <laughs> uh, and so being 17 at the time, we uh, we we encouraged the crack just enough so that the bottle emptied out of sort of the bottom <laughs> and then just dried it and kind of taped up the back because it cracked on the part that didn't have like the coat of arms mm. on it. I made sure that that and so it was taped up the back uh, and that was probably in like 1999 or 2000 uh my mom married and remarried and moved out of that house about 12 years later 
that's when I get a phone call. <laughs> Did you have anything to do with the whiskey bottle? This is that uh, moment of Home I mean, Alone. Kevin, you what did you do to my you room? You just that whiskey bottle. <laughs> oh, crap. That's... <laughs> <laughs> you paid $900 for room service? So irreplaceable, not so much. But I just like the, the span of time between the That's... incident and and the when it was found out. I thought you would have, like, you know, refilled it with some water and then try adding no, the right amount of food dye. And then she'd definitely be on to us. <laughs> All right. Uh, you are a modern day Baxter. What group of people Wait, or fans would you consider did to be you, did no you not have the other filthy two? free grazers and drive out of your town? Why? What? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I did. Oh, oh, sorry. Thank you. So my vice would be... Uh, my vice would be a few good uh, shots Woo. of Pappy Van Winkle and like a good couple rails of cocaine. <laughs> like I want to go into that fight like uh, the like the uh, the guy from uh, fucking Fifth Element. Give me the cash! <laughs> <laughs> Give me the cash, man! <laughs> You're just the guy from like Boondock Saints too. Ding dong, motherfucker! Ding dong. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think that would set me set me to rights. Uh, and then if money was no object, I want one of those like little pieces of like grade five Japanese wagyu. Mm. That's like this little six ounce piece is like hundred dollars. Mm. I want that, <laughs> but just to by itself, cooked, uncooked. Well, cooked, yeah. Well, I don't know. But but ooh, a little rock salt too crushed up. Okay, maybe with a little little salt. Mm-hmm. For, oh, for for, for a little little uh, I'm salt more bay. Of a, a, a shaved salt man myself. Flaked little little like good. Mm. <laughs> uh, that and maybe some longestine, which is supposed to be really really tasty, expensive shellfish, okay. sort of like a large shrimp slash lobster. Uh, all right so who who is your you guys already heard the I'll other take, one uh, if you i'll take lead on this one um or if you are very Baxter, simple who are your uh, free league of legend players are you justified are are people that i can't stand and oftentimes uh i, I removed myself <laughs> from the community for a reason and their toxicity is not something that i sign up for i don't encourage i don't um respect uh, you are a silver player. Uh, you're not, you know, uh, GG hotshot. You're not any of the like s- team solo mid or whatever the hell they're doing nowadays. I don't care. Fuck you. You suck. It's okay to suck. And, and there's, there's no need to be, there's no <laughs> L- L2P or L2GUD. Go away. Get good. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're in our middle age. We're just we happy to be here. We don't have time to be good at games anymore. We just get to play them every now and again. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's like we're hiring the escort at this Jack, point just you? to talk. <laughs> oh. uh, Diehard Trump fans. Uh, there's one on my block. He's still flying the. Uh, it's it's an American flag, but it's white background which is of course it is but uh it's it's the american flag theme but it just says fuck joe biden 
on it. And he's flying that from his house. Now, where I grew up, in the era I grew up in, in the 80s, it would be unforeseeable for somebody to hang a flag from their house with swear words on it. Uh, I pulled up to the gas station the other day and a truck in front of me. Fuck people who voted for Joe Biden and fuck you too. Not just a little bumper sticker. This was his complete rear window of his truck. And I don't have that much time or energy to put that much effort into (laughs) my, my, uh, I don't know, my, 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 my personal choices. I don't even have a sticker on my car. (laughs) If If I can jump in, there's a, there's a story that my dad's or my friend's dad used to tell uh, when he was alive. He remembers a time that he was in a McDonald's and a dude like was in the front of the line and he had a he had his hat on frontwards. But then he turned it around and on the hat, it read, fuck you. And he tr- and suddenly he's looking at the hat and he's all like, wow, that's bold. OK, something from uh, from behind him. He feels a hand on his shoulder. Now, his dad was a tall big man this hand felt large on his shoulder and and suddenly a man taller than him moved past him turned the dude around punched him in the face the guy goes down to the ground and then he looks at my friend's dad and he says if you're gonna wear that you better own it and then he goes back and and then he gets back in line so even even a couple years ago uh, right around the 2020 election, like, I don't know if you guys remember seeing, I know I saw it a couple of times, but people who had, like, homemade trailers or, like, if you had a lawn care business and you had the sort of trailer that you would put your mowers and your right. weed whackers and shit in, but no equipment in it, but just all done up with uh, flag uh, pole holders. Oh, so they're not, not yeah. only do they already have five or six flags on their truck, but then they're towing like a mobile flag barge behind them. Like how, how much money? And you you didn't buy any of these. You probably bought all these China. flags from his website and their ship, which, make, were, which are made in China, which are ship make flags. <laughs> I can attest. Cause I, I've been in our house since 2021. And in the two years that this asshole has been in our neighborhood, he's replaced his flag with some sort of other flag at least three or four times, because every six months they bleach out or they flay, flay, fray to the point of being unrecognizable. I, I had, I used to have a student who, uh, he he did the exact same thing. Except instead of a trailer, he drove his big truck around, and he was a redneck as they can be. But he he had his Trump flag and his American flag on the back of his truck, and he would drive them all the way around. He would come into class, have the flags wrapped up, and he's like, "Can I stir these in here? Someone will someone will steal them off my truck again." And I'm like, "No, <laughs> these these are not my responsibility. You're not." I mean, folks, I once bought a uh, a flag for the Klingon Empire that I thought I was going to put out front of my house. <laughs> now, when I got it and I showed it to my wife, my wife immediately goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a it's a predominantly red flag on a black. Oh, background. that's right. You told me. Yes. <laughs> and, and the, the, and the, the symbols could be easily Klingon Empire sigil could easily be mistaken. <laughs> For a fucking swastika. <laughs> Instead so, of burning them. So I, I just don't get where that level like and and I, I just saw a uh, 
a news alert on my my phone on the way over that said the New York Rams jury has voted to indict Donald Trump on the, the oh my the gosh in New York. So if Donald Trump does go to jail, I hope he does. Uh, if he does <laughs> die in jail, also hope he does. Oh, uh, oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, free grazer. <laughs> What's well, president? I'm always president. Shoot him twice in the head. Anyway, ah, um, it it, it's hey, dem the rules. Um, That's not something that anyway, I made up. That is something um, that our country has in uh, store. Correct. We recognize every president that's ever been in office. Uh, nowadays, no, you don't. <laughs> I don't have to show the respect, though. No, 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 no. Uh, so if he does get like thrown in jail, is the guy still going to be like, is it going to be an orange flag now? <laughs> With, with like free Trump on it, that'd be that'd be interesting. So I mean, this, this is the first Nixon. Uh, yeah, I'm like, uh, this is the first U.S. president who has been criminally charged. Or I think you don't think Nixon guys? Right? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, but Nixon was pardoned by Carter. Okay, mm. uh, so. Fuck no, because <laughs> Biden or Nixon didn't didn't try to start an insurrection against the uh, the duly elected government of the United States. Try uh, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, it was uh, yeah. The, that's the, not even what he's being charged uh, with. Nixon, it's fine. Nixon's supporters didn't erect a gallows on the Capitol yeah. lawn. Uh, so anyway, uh, them's my free grazers, and, uh, <laughs> and that's what they're doing. All right, so uh, on that same type of. Uh, coin on the other side uh when you have extreme uh conservatives uh that kind of tie in with maga folks or at least like extreme maga trump you know licking at his heels type of folks his butthole yeah sure his butthole um those who are infringing upon the rights of the lgbtq community um it's weird so we just had this we just had this shooting in this nashville yeah. horrible horrible incident okay the news comes out that it's a it's a trans uh a trans woman and immediately like what that that shouldn't matter why should that matter and why should that be any part of the news but of course nut jobs are going to the comments and saying like i wonder how much all the medication that they were on had driven them to shoot one republican congresswoman had flat out said it's a trans who shot up the church in Nashville. Now people can stop hating guns. Get over it. And it's like, what? why? Are you insane? How asinine of a comment. So, whatever. Yeah, get... Get over it. I... I let people be people. Except people that play fucking League of Legends. Love one Fuck another. You. Show I'm some kindness. <laughs> Oi. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, no, no. Fuck, yeah, fuck those guys. No. <laughs> All right, sorry. Our, our final wait. segment. Blue bonnet. Blue bonnet. <laughs> Don't you tell anyone now. I want to hear you swear. <laughs> well, one of my favorite moments of the film. Share with me a blue bonnet nickname, uh, even though that was his birth name. Uh, that someone has given you at some point in your life. Perhaps they were the only one to use this moniker with you. Perhaps or perhaps not. So um, I've, I've had a, a series of like various nicknames uh, in my past. Um, so like with my my students, they had called me, uh, you know, 
Homie H, which evolved to like, yes, uh, Dr. H. And then they did finally combined <laughs> everything to like Dr. Homie H. Um, Medicine woman. Sorry. Medicine. No, no, no. Mmm, no. <laughs> Sully. <laughs> um, so uh, another, I, I don't know why. Also, like when I was younger, I, I always loved like seeing seeing folks happy. So if I could like, as the kids say, ship uh, some folks together. Um, I, I acquired the nickname Cupid. <laughs> uh, but also, I love me, I love me some good gossip, and I love me some details. So I'd, I'd also like find out stuff, and I'd like go talk to other people, and just kind of like help spread the gossip, but also get more gossip while I help spread that. So, uh, info, info was a name that I had, and I would like info. walk up to people who were like waiting for him to come back, and I'd be all like, um, "Info, I, got info." Uh, <laughs> the girl gave me a pet name. Um, cause I had given her a pet name Info, of Info. cowboy. Um, she was just, uh, we, for the vast majority oh. of our relationship, we were really good friends. Uh, and sh- she gave me the nickname Indian cause it was, you know, very cowboy and Indian. Uh, and then we realized that it was not, uh, a great, like Indian, like, oh, that doesn't sound very good. Uh, so, so then she just started, she'd call me Indy, which the, I don't know. It, it was something that I didn't ever like uh, try and push onto other people. It was a very like just two way street just right there of just cowboy and Indian or indie. And it was always very, very nice. She gave me actually one of the best gifts I've ever received, which was a um, <laughs> old fashioned. Yeah. Uh. No, she she made uh, a book Hand for job. me, a songbook, uh, for me to write my lyrics <laughs> I'm so in. Sorry. And it was just a, nice a very moment he's trying to um, have. <laughs> handcrafted, beautiful gift, and I treasured it for a long time. It was great. Oh. I'm not a girl anymore, Charlie Charlie Way. <laughs> well, it's, I like that. I like that. Uh, so uh <laughs> So uh, I had one nickname. Uh, I worked at this terrible, terrible restaurant for like, it was like less than the three German or four. Mo- no, no, no. Oh. This was less than three or four months um, that uh, before I, I went on to something else. I had cooked and I had waited tables. I hadn't bartended yet. They had me do an expo at this restaurant, which basically is the cooks throw up the food. You get the food together in the orders that they're there to go, and you garnish them or whatever, and then you expedite them. Oh, okay. The mm-hmm. uh, so the the one cook that uh, head cook that I seem to work under a lot, uh, he was very short. Mm. I was very tall. I was brand new at the job and wasn't like didn't know anybody. Didn't really have hadn't really opened up. So he just called me Lurch <laughs> <laughs> because I was I was tall and silent. Um, and okay. then my friends back home, uh, the ones that I, I see every year for the camping trip, uh, call me Longshanks. I had a friend's dad uh, that I, we would always hang, me and my buddy would always hang out, and the, his father which, would, uh, it was a very large nobody man. Nobody else uh, He'd call me Tard Boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'd be all, he'd be all, how's things going, Tard Boy? I'm just like, hmm. Thanks, Les. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm tard good. Boy? <laughs> things are good. <laughs> Hard boy. <laughs> like thank, thank you. Jeez, Louise. 
Oh, man. So uh, when we were in our 20s, I had some buddies that were all in a band and they had rented this house. That's where they practiced and they're making their music. It was a terrible band, but um, <laughs> we were sitting around and we had one of our, our marijuana dealers drop by. And, and this guy did not look, you wouldn't want to introduce him to your mom. He was uh, very large, but also that like that muscular fat. Mm. Like that, that uh, like Southern boy, sort of like like the dude from like the shield. I, uh, yeah, like I could pull you off the ground after lunching you, sort of a. Uh, a fat. Jesus. Yeah. So, um, but he had his head shaved all the way. Uh, he had like the hardcore piercing on the nose, and oh, then it was sure. all into the death metal. Like he had a, a bass guitar that had a uh, its case was a casket case. <laughs> so anyway, he comes over. He sells us some weed. He leaves. Uh, anyway, he would always all black as well. Like, of course. Never, never a stick of color. Of course. Uh, and so, <laughs> but Buddy's dad, who was one of the, the renters of the place, his, his dad comes rolling in to drop off something for him. Oh, gosh. As Jeremy, the dealer, is leaving. <laughs> and he just said this. His dad was from Boston as well and had that sort of very... Uh, like weird sort of like what do you guys got going on here like, is it a heroin house you got like your, oh you got your spoons and like you you got your belts and like you you shooting up heroin in there with this guy like what's what's going on and it was it was just momentarily funny because uh jerry was still standing there being referred to as you got your black tie heroin you got your and regular so heroin the rest of the time we we knew jeremy and we would we would contact him for his services it was heroin house. Oh, no. <laughs> the, the only thing, like, whenever you keep bringing up, like, you know, uh, in Boston and have the Boston accent, it's just, it's Ted going, fuck you, thunder. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe go fuck yourself. All right. So uh, what would you guys rate 2003's Hope and Range? <laughs> oh, open, open Range gets... Uh, a solid four out of five. Uh, or more importantly, cow punchers out of ten. Cuban, um, it got is me all riled up. Far exceeds <laughs> better than the crappers uh, I smoke. Be. It shouldn't be like one Cuban that gets you like that great of a film, but it punches above its weight class. I think. Yeah. Uh, so if this film yeah, was five dollars, uh, the the amount of money that Boss Spearman paid for his melt in your mouth. It's chocolate, from the bittersweet chocolate from Switzerland, Europe. Cuba's from Havana, or Cuba or cigars from Havana, Cuba. That'll be five dollars, sir. I'd try to talk them down to like four fifty, four seventy-five. Okay, yeah. Otherwise, I, I think it's it is a a perfectly wonderful uh, western. It's a shame to go all your life without tasting something. Right? That tastes like shit. <laughs> Don't you think it's terrible that, like, he said, like, you know, we, we can't afford it ourselves. He takes it. He takes a bite. I wanted him to be all like, well, that is good. And I wanted him to hand it, hand a piece to his wife. But no, he holds on to it tight. Worth every penny. <laughs> Worth every penny. His wife looked like a bitch anyway. <laughs> oh, I, 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 before we go, I, I really want to kind of comment on the, the one scene with Michael Jeter where it's not in the film. But it's in some outtakes where uh, Jeter is able to produce like like a single tear coming down his uh, his cheek when he's reading the note from Charlie. And I love the just the silhouette of him in the light mm. and just the I think the solemnness of his voice as he's reading the note. I, I do like R.I.P. Mr. Noodle. Princess Power. But I don't know. But I don't know.
Post Frit. <laughs> oh, so uh, what's uh, what is on what's on the docket coming up for the old season six fistful of feels? Well, Nathan has a political comedy for us, ripe and ready. America, <laughs> America. <laughs> And uh, after Nathan's political comedy, I'm going to be bringing y'all a suspense film. Dun, dun. Uh, between dun, now dun. and then, uh, maybe for the uh, Nathan's episode, I will I will have our my, the next pick for after that. Mm. Right. And uh, sometime around the corner from that, maybe uh, maybe an early Patreon, maybe a Patreon. All right. So Drew, uh, you know, assuming this is people's first. Fucking episode. Six seasons in. <laughs> Probably some asshole who started re- re- listening to us when we did Trevor's sex. He's like, <laughs> oh, cold God. Day to die. Oh, and he's like, well, I'm going to see where this this experiment is going. <laughs> well, guys, this you know. Heroin house. <laughs> if this is your first episode listening to the Rufus podcast, welcome. Thank you for joining us. You have quite the back catalog to get caught up on. But if you want to get in contact with uh, with us, you can look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for the Real Feels Podcast on Twitter. We are at Real Feels Pod. You can send us an email at realfeelspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call the Tooch line. 661-376-0030. Call up the Tooch line. Tell us what you think about open range. Tell us what your favorite Western is. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us stuff. Tell us anything. And, and folks, uh, in the words of um, Eddie Murphy from 1996's uh, The Nutty Professor, uh, this young podcast over here, Real Feels, has what I like to call tank ass. <laughs> uh, we have five other seasons. Uh, you know, there's plenty of, of, of material out there for you, but we have more. We oh, have there's more. It's not. A, oh. Well, kid, I feel like we've. I feel like that. It's, we've had five years. <laughs> we should have. We should have gotten better. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, well, guys, thank you for joining us. And uh, as always, you're the realist and the feelist. Oh come on! If you're coming. <laughs> We ain't ourselves yet! <laughs> Looks like there's gonna be a new Marshall. <laughs> oh. What'd you do that for? Cheating at cards. Oh, <laughs> oh, Diego Luna. I have been free grazing since I was six years old. 